so excited to introduce our speaker to you this morning. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to know Eric Robertson for the last few months working with him. He's our student ministry director um, here at VFC, and um, he's doing an amazing job. Um, I want you to know about Eric. He is passionate about God and theology. If you want to get into some seriously deep, confusing conversations, Eric is your man. (laughs) Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about Eric sharing with us. He, is, he has an enthusiasm about the Lord and a joy about him. And I encourage you to um, pay attention. The Lord's giving him um, a word for us today. As an armchair theologian, um, I'm walking around confused a lot, and that's how I know I'm doing it right. So. Um, it is an honor to be able to uh, speak this morning. When Jamie told me that I would have the opportunity a few months ago, um, I was just really excited, and he told me what we were going to be talking about, and I'm like, I can do that, and um, so I've you know, spent the past couple weeks really prepping, and if you've been around me any at all the past two weeks, you probably already heard my sermon about three times, um, so you're just going to have to bear with me on this one. Um, Sierra's been gone this past few days. She's been at Trace Diaz, woot woot. Um, you learn a lot about yourself when your wife is gone. Um, I learned, first of all, see, we only have one hairbrush in the house, which I don't, I don't know why, but we've only ever had one hairbrush in the house, and she took the liberty of taking that with her, and so you, find, you figure out a lot of ways. There's a lot of different items in your house you can use to brush your hair with, and uh, this morning's do is uh, brought to you by a beard trimmer extension, so I just did it like that. Um, I also learned that the dishes don't magically appear um, in the cabinets. That's something that you actually have to do yourself. Um, the dogs have to be fed, um, and I can't cook as well as I thought I could, so... It's been a weekend of self-reflection. Thankfully, I've been able to reflect on this sermon. And so what uh, we've been in a series the past couple weeks. It's a kryptonite. I really love that bumper video. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's like acting has come such a long way even since that whatever Superman film that was. Um, and so, yeah, Kryptonite's a really cool series, and you've heard from Jamie. Jamie talked about fear and offense, and then we had Dylan. He talked about busyness. Um, and so today, the kryptonite that I'm going to be talking about is pride. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, pride is, is very elusive. A lot of times we, we, when we think of pride, we don't really think of ourselves. Um, when we think of pride, we always think about politicians or we think of athletes. Um, you know, we think of people that we see on TV and how prideful they are. And, and that is, a, a lot of that is pride. But when we, when we pigeonhole pride just to the people that are on television... Um, we miss how pride is, our, is affecting our life daily. Um, and so it's, it's almost like a camouflage that not even you can see. And if you're not careful, pride can sneak in just like kryptonite, weaken your walk with Christ, and hinder what God wants to do with your life. And so let me see. I've never used this clicker before, so you're going to have to bear with me here. Is that how it works? No. Nope. No, I didn't. I think. Okay, there we go. It is on. And so uh, let's talk about pride. Boom. Pride is thinking of yourself at the expense 
of others. Pride is thinking of yourself at the expense of others. Um, pride is kind of weird because there's a, a lot of different meanings for pride. And the, I don't want you to think that, you know, I can't be proud of a, of a job that I've done or I can't be proud to be an American or I can't be proud of my kid or my grandkid. Um, that, that's, that's okay. You can feel good about those things. But pride is thinking of yourself and putting yourself above everybody else at the expense of others. And the way that I've formulated my message is in the form of a WebMD article. Is anybody familiar with WebMD, right? Yeah, we, we, some of us love WebMD, some of us hate WebMD. Well, there's two types of people when it comes to WebMD. The first person, uh, their arm is falling off and they're just like, I'm just going to rub some mud in it and I'll be all right. Or, or they've had a cold for six weeks and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to rub some mud in it. It'll be okay. Um, my dad is one of those people. Like you could hardly get my dad in a, in a doctor's office. Um, but the second type of person when it comes to WebMD, and I tend to fall into this camp, is uh, you develop a mosquito bite on your arm, and after 35 minutes of scaling WebMD, you're fully convinced that you have the tuberculosis. <laughs> Not just tuberculosis, the tuberculosis, right? Or, or, you know, you get like a paper cut, and you saw yourself do the paper cut, and then you're like, I need to check out WebMD, and then all of a sudden you've got polio. Um, and so that's me. You know you have a problem with WebMD when not only your wife but your own mother will not allow you to go on this website. Um, I'll call my mom up and be like, Mom, I've been sick for a couple days. And, you know, I'm sitting here scrolling WebMD while I'm talking to her. And she's like, Eric, have you been, have you been scrolling the Internet? And I'm like, uh-uh. You know, just as I'm steady scrolling. So um, anyway, so I've formulated this uh, message in the form of a WebMD article. Um, and I'm going to be talking about the three symptoms of spiritual pride. And as I'm going through the symptoms, I just I want you to do your do yourself a favor. I want you to examine your heart just like you're examining that bump or or you're you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on on the inside when you're sick. I want you to kind of examine your heart as I'm going through these symptoms and just see if if any of this resonates with you. I'm, as I was preparing this sermon, um, even I saw some things. I'm like, man, I need to work on that. It's amazing how, how preachers get to preach themselves when they're prepping for a sermon. And so I've, been, I've had the opportunity to do that over the past month or so. Um, so I just kind of urge you, as we're going through these symptoms, just kind of look at yourself. Because like I said, pride is very elusive. Um, we, we always tend to think that just other people, people with a microphone or people with a platform, struggle with pride. Um, but I, I want to talk about how every day, we can struggle with pride. And so the first symptom of pride is blindness. The first symptom of pride is blindness. And in order to illustrate this for you, I'm going to come out of 1 Samuel chapter 15. Um, and I'm going to give you the ESV version. This is the Eric Short version because it's a really long chapter. Um, and essentially what's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is that God has told Saul that he is going to hand over the Amalekites to the Israelite army. Um, the Amalekites had not been very good neighbors, you know, stealing land. Uh, the Amalekites gave the Israelites a very hard time when they were coming out of Egypt. Um, they were just pretty rotten people. So God says, you know what, we're going to take care of the Amalekite problem. Uh, Saul, King Saul is the first king over the, over, uh, the nation of Israel. I'm going to send you into battle. And I, God, am going to hand over the Amalekites to you. But I need three things from you, Saul. I'm, I'm going to hand them over to you, but I need three things from you. I need you to destroy all of the warriors. I need you to get rid of all of the livestock. And most importantly, Saul, I need you to get rid of that king. 
I need you to do those three things. Get rid of the livestock, utterly destroy all of the warriors, and above all, get rid of that king, Saul. So Saul is all gung-ho about it. He gets, I think the Bible says, like 200,000 men, and they go to battle. And just like the Lord had promised, the Amalekites were defeated. And so it's, it's a happy day. But the problem was, is that Saul was not obedient to God. God was faithful to Saul, but Saul was not obedient to God. And he kept alive the best of the best livestock. Like he kept, he kept alive the Kobe beef of all the livestock. And he spared the king. And when Samuel heard of this, and, and Samuel, you know, he, Samuel and God are talking, uh, God tells the prophet Samuel, I need you to go. Saul has been obedient to me. I need you to go find him on the battlefield and tell him that today is the day that I'm taking away the kingship of, over Israel from him. I'm taking that away. He's been, this is the last time he's going to be uh, disobedient to me. And Samuel is just heartbroken about this. So the Bible says that he cried to the Lord all, all night and day. Um, And so Samuel goes down to the battlefield to confront Saul. And as Saul is walking onto the battlefield, Saul is building a monument to himself. When I read that, I was in in preparation for the sermon on pride. I'm like, I was appalled. Saul is building a monument to himself. That would be like, you know, Sierra telling me to do the dishes, and I do the dishes, and then I build a monument to myself. Or she goes outside, she's like, Eric, I bought you this brand new lawn tractor, amen. I need you to go outside, I need you to to mow this lawn. And I go out there, and I'm I'm riding on this lawn, I mow the lawn, and then all of a sudden I build a monument to myself. Just being obedient. And so that's the first thing that strikes me about this story, that Saul, when, when Samuel comes on the scene, he is building a monument to himself. And the second thing that strikes me about this story is before Samuel can get a word out edgewise, Saul says, behold, I have done a good thing. I have defeated the Amalekites, I have spared the choices of the livestock, and I've even spared the king. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, rut row. That's, that's, that's not what the Lord told him to do. And so Samuel tells him like, yo, Saul, man, you've been disobedient. And because of your disobedience, God is going to take away your kingship and give it to your neighbor who is better than you. And if you're a person walking in pride to hear about someone that is better than you, that's just going to get your gears turning, right? And so, uh, you know, Saul, Saul, he just, he just didn't understand. And What Saul was, is Saul was blinded by his own pride. In fact, he was so blinded that he blatantly disobeyed God, but totally believed that he was walking in obedience, because the first thing he says is, behold, I have done a good thing. That's what pride will do to you. It will blind you to your own spiritual condition. Saul was blinded by his own pride. In fact, he mentions... Look, I've spared the livestock. I've kept the king alive. But he says nothing about the monument he just built to himself because he was so blinded by his own pride. And the next thing that I want to mention about this story is what Saul did seemed like a pretty good thing. I mean, now that we think about it, I mean, he did say that he was going to spare the livestock so he could sacrifice it to God. Seems like a good deal. Out of the mercy and the kindness of his heart, 
He spared the king. Those seem like good things. Yet Samuel, or God, called it disobedience. So what is that telling me? It's telling me that I can do good things, and you can do good things. You can even do good things for God, but when it's done from a place of pride and self-service, God views it as disobedience. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm going to say it again. You can do something good. You can even do something good for God. But when you do it from a place of trying to build your own platform, trying to say, hey, look at me, look what I did, God views that as disobedience. Another really cool thing about this story, I told you it was a long story, is that when, when it finally hits Saul that he is, you know, the kingship's going to get stripped away from him uh, and, and that he's going to lose it all, he says to Samuel, excuse me, I, should, I shouldn't have listened to what the people thought, and I should have been obedient to God. Because when you're walking in pride, you're way more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks. You're way more concerned about how you look outwardly than how you are inwardly. And we find out later on in the story when, when uh, Samuel, is, Samuel is anointing David as king that God tells Samuel, I don't look at the outside like man does, but I look at what's going on on the inside. And so people that are walking in pride care more about how their marriage is perceived than how they actually treat their spouse. People that are walking in pride care way more, way more about how they're perceived in the community than how they actually treat their family and how their actual spiritual condition is. And so the first symptom of pride is blindness because when you walk in pride, you are blinded, by your, you are blinded to your own spiritual condition. And self-reflection is very important with our walk with Christ because I mean, we got to do an inventory, right? we got to look, we got to see the Lord. i got to check and see. i got to see what's going on in here. But when you're walking in pride, you can't do that. Amen? So the first symptom of pride is blindness. Ooh. Forgot my prop. It's okay. The second symptom of pride is fatigue. Pull my scripture up here. Oh, I'll get down. Fatigue is really cool. Well, it's not actually really cool. Everybody's dealt with fatigue before, right? It's, it's, this, it's this tired feeling. It's this, you know, it's like, man, I ate too much for lunch, and now it's 2 o'clock, and I need to find somewhere to take a nap, right? It's this type of fatigue. And when I was researching fatigue, um, I, I really wanted to figure out what, like, what fatigue actually was. Like, it, it, fatigue is caused by a lot of different things, but what is actually, can I, can I get some water, please? Thank you. It's getting dry. Um, I wanted to figure out what fatigue actually was, and so as I was researching fatigue, thank you so much, symptom of pride, dry throat, (laughs) as I was researching fatigue, I wanted to figure out what was actually going on in the body, and so what's actually going on in, in the human body when you are fatigued is that there is not enough blood, not enough blood pressure, or not enough nutrients in the blood getting to the tissues in the muscles. And so therefore, that results in like a tiredness, right? And so the very thing that the body and the, and the, the muscles and the tissues need to function, the body is not able to produce, and so when we, what, what pride boils down to is a power problem. 
When you are walking in pride, you are relying way too much on your own power, leaning way too much on your own understanding, and not plugging into the true power source, which is God. You were created to operate by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what you were made for. And when you walk in pride, you are plugging into yourself. You are not getting the power that you need to function. I like to think of it like this, and I'll probably have it second service, but a power strip. Power strips are really neat devices. I remember back when, when power strips first started coming out, maybe when I was in elementary school, they cost like $25, and you know, you only had like one in the house, and you had like everything plugged into it. Now you can go to Walmart and get one for like six bucks, and I have them like, I have one in like every socket in my house, even though like it's probably the only thing plugged into that socket. But they're really cool. Um, you plug them in, and you can have like the microwave going, you can have the TV on, you can, have, you can be toasting some toast, you can be vacuuming, right? You can be doing all these things. You can be so efficient when it's plugged into the right power source. But what happens if I were to take a power strip and plug it into itself? Would that make any sense? Absolutely not. It wouldn't function because it was made to function from a certain power source. It was made to function when it's, I'm looking for an outlet, when it's plugged into the wall. And when it's plugged into the wall, it has an unlimited power source as long as I pay the bill. But when it is plugged into itself, it will not function how it was supposed to function. And when you are walking in spiritual pride, you are trying to accomplish things on your own power. And let me tell you, it can work for a little while. We've all been there. I can try to drum up my own miracles. I can try to open my own doors. But the problem is, is the doors that I open may lead to rooms that I was never meant to go to. And so when you walk in pride, you are relying on your own Ability, your own ability and you're relying on your own power to bring your own miracle. And that's not how you were made to function. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 8, I'm going to talk about this guy. See, Paul of Tarsus is a really cool dude. He's one of my favorite guys other than Jesus, of course, in the Bible. Um, and if you know a little bit about Paul, you know that Paul was hot stuff in his day. And I'm not even talking about when he was, you know, a Christian. I'm talking about before he was a Christian. In fact, scholars say that Paul would have been one of the smartest Jews of his day. He studied under a teacher named Gamaliel, who was one of the foremost teachers of the law of, of, of Second Temple Judaism of the first century. Um, it, Paul, Paul would have been like a Harvard scholar in today's standard. And so Paul had a lot to boast for. In fact, in Philippians, he goes into detail. He says, man, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. He said, according to the law, I was blameless. But then let's see what he says here in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. But whatever... But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So all the accomplishments that Paul made, all the stuff that he did before he knew Jesus, he counts it all as garbage compared to the power that is now at work within him. 
And that word garbage in the Greek, it's actually dung, but the NIV kind of like cleaned it up for us a little bit. But everything that he accomplished by his own power, he throws it out the window because he, now he knows that there's a power within him now that surpasses everything that he could have ever accomplished on his own. Paul was never trying to open up doors for himself. In fact, there's some times in Acts where Paul, you know, he would pray, you know, uh, you know, I ask the Holy Spirit if I should, you know, do this. And I'm like, Paul, just do it. Just do it. You know, go, go, into, go into Asia Minor. And, and Paul's like, but I didn't feel a release from the Holy Spirit. Because Paul had this reliance and this dependence on the power that was at work within him. Everything that he accomplished on his own power said, I'll throw that out the window. But when we walk in pride, we're just like that power strip that's arched over into itself. And you can operate like that for a while. We all have. But it leads to burnout. It leads to tiredness. It leads to fatigue. And as I said before, you can open some doors, but some rooms you were never meant to go into. Amen? So finally... The third symptom of spiritual pride is something that I like to call gatekeeper syndrome. Gatekeeper syndrome. Gatekeeper syndrome is when we believe that we have the ability to judge who is in the kingdom and who is outside of the kingdom. I'm going to repeat that. Gatekeeper syndrome is when we think that we have all of our T's crossed and all of our I's dotted to the point that now we set ourselves up as judge as to who can come in and who can go out. We build these walls around the kingdom of God and we have so much pride in our own ability and we have so much pride like, man, I got here by myself and by golly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set myself up and, you know, you look like me, you act like me, you dress like me, but you don't, so you're out. That's what gatekeeper syndrome is. And Jesus, Jesus had a lot, a lot to say about that in a Matthew, a Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Pull this out here. says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take, a, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So gatekeeper syndrome is essentially a bunch of people walking around with wood in their face calling out the, the, the specks of sawdust in other people's faces. They think that they have their stuff together to the point that they can set up and be judge over other people. And this creeps in to our lives in subtle ways. It's not always being a complete and total Pharisee because that would be weird because they dress really funny. Sometimes it's when someone walks into the, to the back doors of the church and you know who they are and you know what family they are and you know what they do and you ask yourself the question, what are they doing here? You know, sometimes it's the people when, when they come down to get to the prayer ministry and they're getting prayer and you're like, man, I know what they're going through. Boy, howdy, they need prayer. That's what gatekeeper syndrome is. And like I said, it's not always being a straight up Pharisee. You don't have to be a Pharisee to walk in pride, even though they did. See, the Pharisees were the worst when it came to gatekeeper syndrome. In fact, they even... They even criticized Jesus because of this reason. Jesus was called a friend of sinners 
And when we think about that phrase, we're like, hey, yeah, that works. Friend, Jesus was a friend of sinner. I'm a sinner too, so Jesus is my friend. And that's true. But I don't think we realize the ramifications of that phrase, sinner. See, a sinner is in Jesus' day would have been the label that they gave to people that were excommunicated from the church. So you had to do something pretty rotten, to, or I'm sorry, excommunicated from the temple. And so you had to do something pretty rotten to get kicked out of the temple. Yet those are the people that Jesus hung out with. Because when Jesus came on the scene, he said the people that think they're in are the ones that are actually out. And the ones that are out are the ones that the kingdom of God was made for. And so when I think about gatekeeper syndrome and I think about my life, I never want to be on the wrong side of the fence. I never want to be on the wrong side of the fence. I never want to be on the wrong side of history. I don't want to be the one that hinders someone from getting the help that they need. I don't want to turn the sick people away from the hospital. I don't want to be that gatekeeper. That's like putting security guards in front of a hospital. You're not well enough to enter the hospital. (laughs) I have a quote here, um, and this is a, an, a, a quote that I got from a, a Jewish rabbi. It says, we must keep a note in our pocket that says on one side, I am but the dust of the earth, and on the other side, it was for me the earth was made. And so when we are when in our daily walk with Christ, we have to be reminded, I am but dust, as Jamie would say. Yeah. <laughs> That, that always gets everybody. It's so funny. I just say butt from the pulpit. Butt, butt does. Um, <laughs> we have to remember that we are but the dust of the earth. But we also have to remember that it was for us that the earth was made. We have to walk this balance. And so let's say that you've been you know, looking at these symptoms of spiritual pride and you're like, man, some of those things ring true. Um, man, I really I don't want to do this anymore. I want to give it over to God. There's an antidote. There's actually two things that can happen. The antidote, the the, the first thing that we can do when we find out that we are walking in spiritual pride is be humble. And I love the way that the Message Bible puts James 4. It says, James chapter 4, And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but he gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your, out, cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Get really serious. And that's essentially where James says, submit yourself to God. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so how do I get humble? See, humility is something that doesn't really come natural to us. We are just naturally prideful beings. It's just, it's a part of being a human. And so in order to walk in humility, the Bible says that we must submit ourselves to God. And that's not something that you just do one time down at the altar. That is something that we have to do daily. I heard a a pastor once say that we must get saved daily. 
And what he meant by that was not that I have to say the sinner's prayer and I have to rededicate my life to Christ every day. But it's every day that I wake up, I have to make the decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. And so if I want to walk in humility, every day that I wake up, I can't, I can't just you know, say it one time. Every day is a new choice. Am I going to serve God? Am I going to su- and to submit yourself to God is just when I submit something to somebody, I'm I'm giving them ownership over it. So when we submit ourselves to God, we're saying, God, you own my life. I don't want to build my own platform. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to pray as you pray. I want to speak as you speak. We just sung that song, and so we have to make that decision every day. It's kind of funny how how pride works. Pride is essentially an attempt to build our own platform. And the way that we build our platform, you know, we build it out of scraps and we try to, we try to drum stuff together. But the funny thing about that is, is that God has already given us a platform. He's given us his platform. And there's no higher platform than that. And so if we want to kick pride... We have to be humble. We have to submit ourselves to God. But there's also a second choice. And this isn't the choice that that we want to take, but sometimes we have to. The second way to kick pride is to be humiliated. And what humiliation is, is humiliation is humility by force. Being humble is something that we do. Being humiliated is something that gets done to us. Humiliation is humility by force. Who's been humiliated before? Right? Yeah, me too. It's rough. And what humiliation is, it is is the natural fruit of walking in pride. If you walk in pride, if you sow seeds of pride, you will reap fruits of humiliation. And so I got a story for you. Let me need a sip of water for this one. <clears throat> when I first got saved, I got saved in just a really high impact, like high octane Christian environment. Um, it was that's the only way I can describe it: high octane. And uh, so, you know, we were really going, and I was the kid at Walmart freaking people out, and I'd get, we'd get kicked out of Walmart for praying for people in the produce section, which is a good thing, but I will admit we made it look pretty weird, and if I were Walmart, I'd be concerned as well. Um, <laughs> and so they, you know, we, we high octane, and, and one of the things that I began doing immediately after I got saved was I just began preaching. I just, you know, anywhere I could go. Um, I would, you know, Bible studies I'd get invited to. I started leading our youth group, um, you know, just doing different events, like youth revival, just whatever I could get my hands on, I would do. And um, I, uh, I got pretty good at it, and it was, it was quite a novel to be the, you know, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal, envi- traditional Pentecostal environment, and so everybody had their, like, their, their novel young preacher boy. And so, you know, I, I kind of took that title on, and... Uh, all of a sudden, I got uh, we started this Bible study, and it started off with a group, a core group of about eight kids, and then before we knew it, uh, we had grown to about thirty to forty kids on any given Tuesday, and it was a really cool thing to see God moving. Um, but at this time, I had really started trusting in my own ability to minister the gospel. Can I get real with y'all? Is that okay? And so, what happened was, I was finally asked to speak at this Bible study. 
And, uh, you know, at the time, I was like, man, I got this. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to stomp and jump and do all those other cool things. And it's going to be incredible. And, um, you know, bump preparations. <laughs> I'm not going to prepare a sermon. Lord's going to drop it in me, you know. It's, and that's how it's going to go. And I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to kill it. And uh, so I go and, you know, walk in the room. And I'm just, you know, walking around my Bible. And worship comes around. And I was like, you know, worship, where it's going to happen? The Lord's going to drop a word in me. I'm going to get up there and preach that fire. And I'm going to be out of there. And uh, so the first song goes through. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Second song goes through. Nothing's happening, and and mind you, we were we were Pentecostal, so there's like ten songs, um, <laughs> like the eighth or ninth song, <laughs> nothing. And so it's like, all right, so we'd like to welcome Eric up here. He's gonna you know give our lesson for today. And so basically, what happened was I did not study for a Bible study because I trusted in my own ability to get up there and minister the gospel. And so I get up there, and at this point, I'm struggling. I got a Bible in my hand. I'm just like, I'm just gonna flip it open. Flipped it open, landed on a verse, read that verse one time, read it two times, three, four, five times, still nothing's happening, and then in the middle of it all, I knew what the Lord was trying to do in my heart. I knew that I was trusting in my own ability, I knew that I was trying to build my own platform. And I climbed up that tower in pride and fell by humiliation. After I read that scripture like five or six times, I said, well, that's it. Walk down. And it wasn't one of those things where, I mean, I'm happy about it now, but it was like, it took a lot of processing at the time uh, because I just, I was so broken by it. I, you know, broken by my own pride, really. I was just up there and I said, oh, That's it. And I cried a little bit and had my friend's mom came and gave me a hug. And I'm like, I'm 18 years old. This is ridiculous. And, uh, but the Lord taught me a lesson that day in humility, but he taught me through humiliation. And so the cool thing about it is that we have a choice. Before we make it that far, you have a choice today to walk in humility. And that's not just a choice that we have to make today, but it's a choice that we have to make every day. Amen? Are you willing to submit to God and walk in humility? Can we do it? Because it's something, and I'm going to hammer this in, it's something that you have to do every day. Sometimes moment to moment. Just like Mr. Pope said, are we going to lean on our own understanding or are we going to listen to God? Because he only wants what's best for us, right? God's not going to open a door or close a door because he wants to hurt me. He's going to do it because he knows me, and he knows the bigger bigger picture. And so if our altar ministry team could come down, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to pray us out. If we could all stand.